We're going to be in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And it's going to sound like I'm not doing a parable. You're going to get in and say, yeah, this is not even a parable. But the thing is, if we don't understand the context, we're not going to understand the parable. If we don't understand where they're at, who's there, what they're doing, what they're talking about, uh, then none of it makes sense. So I I want it to make sense. So what's going on in this is Jesus is about to teach a parable. Now, what is a parable? A parable, the Bible says in Mark 4, 2, and he taught them many things. So it's a teaching tool by parables, by this avenue of teaching, and said unto them his doctrine. So a parable is a statement or a brief story taken from daily life that portrays some sort of spiritual truth. So it would be like if I was, uh, and I did this before, um, I got invited to a public school <clears throat> to do the uh, chaplain part for a football team, and I got to go in the locker room, which it, I felt like I was in the movies, okay, I, it was the coolest thing, and it was, they were all over, so I mean, it was the locker rooms, and they were all gathered, they were all chanting and holding their helmets and getting ready to be psyched up and things, and, and somebody said, come in there and just preach to them for like 10 minutes, and I had this opportunity. So, of course, I, I, I did a, a message and paralleled it to, uh, to football. And it just in the setting, in the atmosphere, the crowd, I was just saying, we're, you know, who plays what? And what do you do? And let me tell you, we're under attack. We have to be ready. And I'm walking around and I'm talking to them. And what a, it's a, a parable is, is, is literally something cast alongside of something else. So when I was in that room and we're talking about football and I'm like, you play this position and we throw the ball and we're up against the opposition. Let me cast alongside of it a spiritual message that just complements that. It just makes sense. It kind, of, it kind of connects. And so I have this visual. That's what Jesus was constantly doing. He was teaching in such a way for them to understand. And like I said last week, Jesus could have given them the breakdown of the atom. He could have just stopped and broke down DNA. <laughs> he could have done that and blown their mind and Every one of them walk out of there going, what did he just say? I don't know, but man, that guy's smart. Just, Jesus like put it down on their level where they, the, the, even the farmers that were standing there understood it. So this is the parable of the money, uh, money lender. So if you're wondering what this parable is, because I'm going to teach 80% of this without teaching this parable. And then when you get into it, you're going to be like, oh, that's why that parable was so impactful because of the crowd and the audience and what was happening and everything happening in this moment, Jesus is dealing with forgiveness. <clears throat> he had to address a lot of issues that would hinder um, what he came to do because a lot of people were so resistant to his message about forgiveness and the Pharisees and uh, the people were dealing with works and all these things. And so people resisted the message. And so a lot of the message that Jesus taught was about forgiveness. And he was teaching whom the Son has set free. You are free indeed. But in our minds, we'll say that and accept that. But then when we apply that to life, people are like, well, and I'll give you some illustrations of this. We view people as different levels of sinners because of their past, because they came out of an addiction, because their their sin was more visual or whatever it might have been. If they went through rehab or they had a divorce or criminal record or, you know, I mean, as far as they were known for being a prostitute, you say, why would you use that illustration? Because that's in here. Uh, if they came out of a homosexual lifestyle, or whatever we know about it, we're like, and this is just the truth. A lot of us, we put sins in the categories. Yeah. If somebody was like, 
Well, they just told a lie. Well, that's not that big of a deal, but they, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's a bad sin. They, they, they robbed a bank. Okay. <laughs> we would almost put those in different categories. And we say the words all the time. Well, God can save anybody. God forgives. God restores. God does all this. <clears throat> but do we really believe that? Do we feel that way? What would happen if we took somebody that was restored that way? Not in a, no, no, no verbal answers to this. Okay, this is a hypothetical thing. Uh, how, how, would you, how would you respond if you know that that person on the worship team was, was saved out of being a prostitute? Yeah, I know. That should be our answer. Or, or if they were, I, I don't know what the, you, you guys hit the point. And we would say, some people would say, I know they're forgiven, but I just, I just don't believe they belong up there. You say that's crazy. I've I'm, I'm been a pastor here for 23 years. I could tell you stories. I could tell you some stories. People like, I know God forgives and I know God restores, but Pastor Tony, you just... And I was, I, and I, I could tell you this one situation where they were put into this position, and and and, and nothing that would disqualify them. I'm not talking about that because there's different things in the Bible, and, and I'm not talking about a guy that was a pedophile and we put him in a Sunday school class. I'm not, I'm, you know, what I'm saying I know that there's certain things, all right. I'm not talking about that. Okay, there's there's common sense that goes along these things. But somebody brought up and said, uh, you know, they did this, and I'm like, I didn't even know. Like, how long ago was that? And I said, man, God has restored their marriage and done this and that. I know, but I just haven't gotten over it. Well, Jesus did. Amen. It's Amen. under the blood. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, what, what's the verse when I'll cast your sin as far as the east is from the west? And then we'll, we'll sing the song and say, Amen. Praise God. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. But in the application of it, I don't think we always fully believe that. Mm-hmm. So keep this in mind as we set the stage for this next parable. Jesus is going to teach them a lesson because they're judging the worship of a former prostitute. The setting is another setup, okay? That's what's happening. It's a setup. So the, the situation arises, and Jesus is like, I'm going to teach something, and I'm going to use the visual of what's going on. So we're going to go to another party. <clears throat> Do you guys notice that there's a lot of gatherings and people and things going on? We told one of these last week. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. He went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to, to, to meet. And so it's, it's a dinner engagement. Okay, that's what's going on. These are all church people. These are good people. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? They're like, in, in our eyes, they're not known for this and that and whatever. They're, in, our, in our mindset, they're good people. They're church people, man. They're, 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 they, have, they felt good about themselves because they had this prophet that is becoming popular over for dinner and, and, and makes them look good. And behold... Why does the Bible say behold? Check this out. Okay, I want, I want to grab your attention for a minute. And behold, let me tell you something. A woman of the city, which was a sinner, okay, just going to put that out there. Like, before you just say, do you know what she did? The Bible's going to start the story off and just say, I'm just going to tell you what you're all thinking right now. This girl, she was a sinner. And then go into the, the background of it, whatever. It's just said she was a sinner, and when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it and he spake within himself, saying, this man, 
he were a prophet, would known and who and what manner of woman this was that touched them, for she is a sinner. So, you, so she's thinking, or he's thinking in his head all these things, but Jesus knew his thoughts. And, 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 and to be honest, let's just be real. We wouldn't go to church and say all the time, like, well, that girl shouldn't be on the stage singing that song, or she shouldn't have that solo, or she shouldn't be in the choir. We wouldn't say that, but we would think it. And, and I, 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 like I said, we could tell stories of like, and, and he's like, the, the mindset, here it is. If, if Jesus really knew what she did, she would, he would not allow this to happen because of her past. That's exactly what's being said here. So I know we say hypothetically, like this story of this person that has a past or a record or whatever. Well, that's physically what's happening in this. So this story sparks a parable. And in verse 37, behold, a woman of the city, which was a sinner, when she sat at Jesus, uh, knew that Jesus was there, sat at meat with the Pharisee's house. So I'm going to back up and we're going to retell this story and explain the breakdown of this. So it, it applies to this parable. This woman must have encountered Jesus at some point because she knew that Jesus was there. And she was wasn't like she passed by and was like, "Ooh, a crowd. I wonder what's going on. Oh, so happened I have an alabaster box. Let me see what. I... So it was strategic. She knew it. She targeted him. She, this was going on. She was motivated to thank him, to worship. She came there with that intention. She sought him out. She came prepared with this gift, this ointment to do this. Uh, she was weeping, the Bible says. She was already emotionally engaged in this. So, I mean, there's so many things that point to this. And the purpose of this was all about worshiping Jesus. Okay, that's what she came there to do. She, she wasn't even there necessarily she wasn't there for the food. She wasn't there to be noticed or whatever. Her focus was worshiping Jesus. And um, I, I don't know. I, I've thought about maybe she heard the message preached by Jesus of come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And then that's what Jesus teaches. It says, We're, how messed up are you? How far have you gone? I want you to come to me. Literally an open door. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how messed up you've been. I want you to come to me. You're all welcome here. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's why she was here. And somewhere along the line, she, she, she encountered Jesus because she's responding to this. Um, but what we know is she wanted to be there. She desired to be there. Now, if you're going to understand the culture, and I want you guys to get the setting. So it was, it was and, and I, I like doing studies like this to understand because in our culture it would be different. But if, if somebody famous or whatever was eaten, they wouldn't be allowed in, but they would gather around to try to get as much of a look of what's going on as possible. So they would gather around the house and kind of like get a perspective of what's going on. So she's probably a woman in the crowd waiting for her moment to approach Jesus. But you've got to understand, she's about as an outcast as you can possibly get. Yes, yes. We're, we're going to get to that and it, uh, of the gift that she was there. This, this, this was just, this was a big deal. It would, I, I don't know a, a comparison for, this would be a Pharisee house that represented the law and, and relationship with God and being holier than thou and everything like that. And then you take this woman, it would be like a prostitute or not trying to be vulgar or whatever, like a, like a known, woman known for being a stripper or former or something like that, walking into the house of a the Pope. Okay. I, I don't know any other story. You know, you got the mindset. Okay. It's like far extremes is what you're talking about. Far extremes. 
So you can imagine what's going on in everybody's mind when they knew the reputation because they knew that she was a sinner. Literally means like, we all know this girl. We all know her past. And uh, they, they were critical of anyone. They, they weren't known for like the church should be of showing grace. They, they, they weren't known for, I'm going to go in there and uh, they're just going to love me because they, that's the, what the right thing is to do. Uh, they, she knew that they were known for the opposite. Uh, knowing the criticism that would come and, and, and the words that they would say and the thoughts that they would have. I, I wonder if people feel that way around us. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I know we'll say when you're here, your family and, you know, we're, we're just glad that you're here. But do we tr- how do we treat them? How do, how do we go out of our way to, to make people feel welcome? And, and honestly, it, it's not just the words that you say from the pulpit when you're here with your family. Hey, everybody, can we make our guests feel welcome and applaud them or whatever? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's great. That's corporate. But let's be real. What, really, what truly makes people feel welcome? When you treat them like they have value. Speaking to them. Yeah, it, it's you, you treat them like they're, you don't treat them like they're any different, like they, that they, they belong there and you're, you're glad that they're there. And uh, do people, when they get around us, feel like they're being judged from being there? Or do they feel less of a person because of the way that we treat them? And, and I've had people in the past, and I know I'm just, we're just telling, I know this is on podcast and everything like that. But I, I've had people say in the past and, and, and go up to people and say, you don't dress like the rest of us. And, and I'm not kidding. I could tell you stories of things like that. And, and, and it's, it breaks my heart. And I think, you know, a lot of that has changed. And, you know, I've had some deep conversations with people like they, they need to be here. This is where they find Jesus. This is where they find hope. Amen. You know, it's, this is what it's all about. Um, if you ever see someone that looks like they're out of place, go out of your way to make sure that they feel in place. Go out of your way. People come in and they have that mindset that uh, I don't know where to go. And I mean, guys, we know this place like the back of our hand, or most most of us do. I mean, you think about we're not trying to find where the bathroom is or whatever. It's comfortable to us. Man, somebody comes in for the first time. and, And I know I've told this story before, but I had a guy that literally the night before he um, he OD'd the night before before he came to church and he was on the table and they brought him back and he's laying there and he said, I remember being in the hospital. I'm staring at fluorescent lights laying there, hearing all the noise and them doing all this. And, and he said, I, I, I got out. I called. I'm shaking. I, ha- I didn't know anybody. He said, I called a friend. He said, you go to church. I could tell you who the friend is. He still comes to church here. He said, yes. He goes, would you pick me up and bring me to church tomorrow? And he said, I walked into the church feeling like he said, I felt so out of place. He said, I felt like everybody was looking at me as a drug addict, even though nobody knew I was a drug addict. Because, but he said, I smelled like smoke, and I looked a certain way. And he said, man, I was paranoid. And he said, and, and I don't even know why, and I'm not, I'm not saying this story to brag or whatever, but this, I was on the stage, and we, we were uh, getting ready to uh, uh, shake hands and things like that. And I saw the guy out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. And, and so I beelined for him when I got, when we got to that time, I just went down and I walked right up to him and put my arm around like I would most people. You guys know me, gave him a hug, shook his hand and said, dude, I'm so glad you're here today. And then I went back up and he later told me when I met him, he said, in that moment, he said, I felt like God whispered in my, my ears, 
you're in the right place. You belong here. It's okay. And now for me, it was just a random, like, hey, there's somebody I don't know. I'm glad that you're here. Do you, do you know how much effort that took for me, guys? None. L- little to nothing. Whatever. And, and I would do that to a friend. What if all of us had that mindset every Sunday? And I'm not saying that you guys don't. I'm not like, we're going to get your heart right. You know, that, no, I'm not saying that at all whatsoever. But, uh, but tell them that you're glad you're here. Give them their seat. Invite them to sit with you. Take it to the next level. Hey, we got a group going out to church. Go with us after church. Man, be the church. Love like Jesus. And this, this, I'm just telling you, this took guts for this woman to be here on this day. And in the eyes of those that they were there, she didn't deserve it. She was a sinner. They had the labels and all these other things. So she must have had this reputation. But when she walks in, I guarantee there was a hush over the crowd. There's people pointing, whispering, rolling their eyes. And it says that she knew that Jesus was in this place. She stood at his feet behind him weeping. She walked through the crowd. I'd be, I, I wish we could just understand the impact of this, okay? So the tables were low to the ground. They would sit with their feet kind of to the side and they would sit down. So Jesus is sitting at meat or sitting out there. She's, you know, the crowd is there. She walks in like with this alabaster box, like I'm sure building up the the, 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 the guts to be able to walk in. And finally, she's just like, I don't care what they say. And if this Pharisee points me out or throws me out, she just kind of comes in and she comes to where Jesus, let me just do it. Like, so Jesus is like, you know, sitting like this. And so his feet are behind him. So when it says she came to his feet, it's like sitting like that. And then she just stands there. What is she doing? She's just weeping. Now, do you think she was trying to put on a show? You think she's trying to put on an act of like, hey, look at me, whatever. This is just, she's just weeping. She's like, I'm in, I'm in the presence of the one that forgave me and changed my life as she's standing there in that moment. Verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, just streaming with tears. She was probably looking for something good to do for him. Do it. Oh, a way to express it. Right, right. Or if they were, and she was just doing as an act of worship and things, and then she becomes overwhelmed with his presence, falls at his feet, begins to weep and worship him in this way. And I love this. And guys, let me, let, let's take a, we, we know that God was honored by her worship in this. She didn't care what other people thought. And I am not saying, and let me just put it out there if we're talking about worship, if your worship gets distracting, that's a whole other level. Do, do you guys know what I mean by that? I could give stories. Man, I have so many stories. One day I'm going to write a book and just tell stories. <laughs> I just want to do that. Yeah. You know, like I was, I was in uh, one, one service and uh, somebody pulled out a tambourine and just started hitting it really loud. And it threw off the whole rhythm of the entire service. And then she goes, that's just how I worship. And I'm like... It's distra- I mean, I don't, you know, there's different ways of worshiping, but that became a distraction to where literally we lost the rhythm of the whole service like that. So, but I'm not saying that this was anything like this. This was authentic. It was being real and all these things. She stood at the feet of Jesus behind him, weeping, began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. Now, I, and you guys are thinking, man, this is not a parable. I promise you, buckle up. We're getting there. And when Jesus drops this bomb at the end of this, it's like, wow, okay. 
This is from her heart, real and genuine, not seeking uh, attention or whatever. And, and, and let me show you, let me just break this. I, I, this, is, this was her worship. Number one, she came humbly. She falls at his feet. She lowered herself. She wasn't there for attention. As to say, I'm a sinner. To lower herself in this way is like I don't deserve to be here. I recognize you as God. And, you know, like to pay homage or to bow yourself or the worship is to bow before and those types of things. She's, she's doing this in humility. Worship is not about us elevating ourselves above anybody else. It's about he must increase and I must what? That's, that's, that's the difference of here. And I think on stage, I don't care if you can hit every note. If you're trying to outsing and outshine everybody else, you just made it about you. She was broken. She, she was weeping in that moment, uh, carrying this guilt. And when you are, are, are overwhelmed with things for so long and you, you turn your heart to Jesus Christ, you, you come broken. And then it says, look at the passion that she had. She kissed his feet. And, and I know this would be weird in our culture in a number of different ways. Uh, but she, she was expressing her love for Jesus because in their culture during that time, women weren't even allowed to speak in situations like that. Because she's in that moment, she was doing whatever she could to express her love for God. She wanted him to know that I love you. Um, and, and, and then we're talking about the hair. Let me show you how powerful this is. And, and, that, and what the Bible describes as a woman's glory or a woman's beauty uh, is a woman having long hair. It is a glory to her, for her hair is given as a covering. So you can imagine as she lets down her hair in that moment, she's letting down her glory. But then she takes that what represented her beauty and she uses it as a rag to wipe his feet. You talk about humility in that moment of not caring who was saying what or whatever. And, and I asked you guys all this big question, was God honored by this? It was this woman was saying with her actions, this is not about me, but I love you, God. And there was no pride or anything about herself. It was all for the glory of God. Kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. Now, this is cool, too, because the anointment was this myrrh or perfume. Uh, this was not cheap. It was like uh, we were talking about just a minute ago. This was like a year's pay. Uh, this was the best that she had. She was not rich or wealthy or whatever, but she poured out this alabaster box, and there's songs written about this and stories and poems, and uh, uh, this has been illustrated in so many ways. Uh, and I know that this meant something to Jesus because he says in this passage, My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Uh, a lot of times with the oil that they were talking about would be olive oil, but the word used here is ointment or perfumed oil. Uh, and, and this is where a lot of, and I'm not trying to tie this in and make it say something that it doesn't say. I don't, I don't like when preachers do that. But it, it is the same word used in Proverbs 7.17. That's, that's why I'm saying is for like the, the definition or the root word of it, where it's the prostitute in Proverbs 7.17. I have, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and with cinnamon. It's, it's all that. So... Um, there's two views that could have represented of what's going on in this passage. One, it's, it's simply representing her worship of giving something valuable to God, which would have made sense. But another thing it could have meant that this ointment was used for her line of work, and she's dumping it out in the feet of Jesus saying, I'm not that person anymore. 
like it's it, like an I surrender all, and it could have been, and that's tied into Proverbs seven seventeen because that's what something that they would have done is use that to like lure men, and and, and for that kind of situation, uh, but she, it's just a powerful thing you can imagine, and, and I'm not sure what happened, but that empty box after she did that because the Bible says that she poured it all out of like dropping it there of that's her past and that's not who I am anymore. Wow. No matter what. It was, and I know we kind of speculate, we kind of, but I know all these facts are there, but how they play out, we don't know. But here are all the critics. Verse 39, now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this was that toucheth him, for she was a sinner. Just, just to put it, they, they were disgusted by what they saw, not honored, not pleased. They were disgusted. Um, let, let me guys pro, throw something out. You were talking about worship in church and church environments. I wonder how many times Jesus is more pleased with the recovering drug addict that is praising him more than he is the faithful church member that is judging. Drug addict. Have you ever thought about that? Drug addict. And, and you know... Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have somewhat to say against thee. And he saith, Master, say on. He begins to tie this in as, as he's rebuking and, and, and addressing this and, and, and talking about how much he's pleased by this. So Jesus tells a parable. Now, if I just told you the parable, I promise you it would not have the impact of what we just heard and knowing who's, what, what just happened, what's transpiring in this room. And he's almost like, I'm going to explain forgiveness, but I'm not going to explain forgiveness from the perspective of what you guys would teach about the truth. Mm. He said, there's a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Okay, this is powerful. And, and I know... Now, it's cool now because you guys know the story. You know the context. You know what just happened. And how often do we tell parable stories and we just tell the parable like it was? Or we tell Jesus encounters and we tell the, the woman with the ointment and the alabaster box, but we don't marry them together to be able to say, wow, that's the context of this. So Simon represented the small debt of 50 days because he was a good guy. It's, I, I, my sins are okay. I... I doubt God sometimes, and I'm not always faithful, and sometimes I get bored when I pray, or I skip my devotion sometimes. You know, so that's just a little sin. That's not a big deal. But this woman represented this great debt of 500 days of wage. But Jesus is the debtor, or the creditor, not the debtor. Jesus is the creditor, sorry. Scratch that from the, the, the thing. Yeah. Neither, the, but the thing that they had in common is neither one of them were able to pay their debt. They both owed more than what they had. And guys, if, that's, if we're, we're going to be honest, that's the whole story of, of this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. It's not a matter of, I, I'm a good person. I grew up in church and I've never done drugs and I've never done alcohol and I've never been in trouble. I've never been arrested. So we're in this category of really good Christian people. And then there's the other category of the people that have been arrested and they've been in and out of jail and they... You know, they've had whatever of their background of this. This, is, this parable is not so much about the amount of the debt forgiven, but rather the response of the one that is forgiven. That's right. 
it's like we're, we're all in a debt that we can't pay or whatever, but it's how do we respond and worship him for what he's done? Simon answered and says, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. She lived a, a horrible life. She lived in the community and all this and probably rejected of her family and messed up relationships and uh, I mean, all these different things and, and the fact that Jesus changed all of this. I, I want you guys to know something. And, and I know I'm beating this like the death. When you see somebody worshiping in church and they worship differently, like they stand up in a song and nobody else is. Do you know how many times I've been in church? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying this happens, but I've imagined some people are like, why are they, they're so emotional. I can't believe they're standing up or I can't believe they're doing that in a choir song or whatever and they're standing up and they're just waving their hands or whatever. Do you know how many times that I've been in the service before and I see them and I almost break down crying because I know their story. And, and I, I think if we knew the background, we don't respond to a lot of things because Honestly, we haven't been drug out of the pit. We haven't been changed or whatever. It's like we, we've gotten calloused to the miracles and the beautiful things that Jesus has done for us. It, it, you know, they, they, they raise their hands. They're the first one to the altar. We, we, had, a, we had a lady um, for, that attended for a while, and I, I got to know her and her story and stuff. And when we, would, when we would do worship time, she would come down front, and she would lay down, and she would just pray, or she would, she would raise her hands for the whole time and things like that. And, and uh, with no exaggeration, she was like, <laughs> I mean, like, everything we're talking about, I mean, it's like that was her story. That was absolute her story. And she came to me, and she says, she said, Pastor Tony, I hope you don't mind. She says, I can't sit through one song that you sing about what Jesus does to save us and not be overwhelmed with gratitude. Amen. And I'm like, you praise God all that you want. And if somebody has a problem with it, then they have a problem with Jesus and the rest of us here. It's powerful. And he turned to the woman and said, Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house and thou gavest me no water for my feet. Yeah. And she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hairs of her head. And gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, have not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but she, this, this woman, hath anointed my feet with ointment. They invited Jesus to them place for what they got out of it. It was a matter of, we have you here to, to make us look good because we have Jesus in the house. But it, the opposite was with this woman. She was there for what she could give to Jesus, not for what Jesus did for her. She was responding to this. Jesus was saying, you didn't show me love. You didn't worship me. You didn't humble yourself. You did not serve me. In, in the comparison, I know you guys know this already, Simon, this Pharisee, was the critical Christian looking down on other people, thinking that they're better. But this woman was the one that loved Jesus, pouring out her worship and happy just to be in the presence. And the question is, and I put this in your notes, which one of these do we most identify with? Uh, which one was the one that was blessed by Jesus the most? And, and at this, I, this is so powerful in the context of what, you just, what we just studied and the power of 
the background and her breaking culture and busting in and, and worshiping Jesus and pouring out her heart and passion and all this, she, he says, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins. Now, what are the, what's the next phrase after that? What's the next three words? You guys tell me. Which were many. Okay, so he's tying it into the parable right there. And he says, let me tell you, you, you guys already have judged her. You've added up in your mind. You know where she's been. You know how long she's been that way. You could probably name the guys in the town that have been with her and all this other stuff. He said, I'll tell you what, her sins, which are many, are what? Forgiven. forgiven. And I'm telling you, Jesus forgiven is way different than our forgiven. Yes, it is. And that is the whole point of the parable. I, I, I had somebody in, in the past that was going to be uh, like involved in worship and stuff like that. And, and I struggle with this. It's like, you know, can, can they fully be restored or what, you know, positions and all this other stuff. So I called a pastor and I was like, hey, you know, like, what, what should I do in this situation like this? He said, I know what the Bible says about being a pastor and the husband of one wife and, you know, what he teaches and things like that. He said, but let me tell you about worshipers. He said, you take David, that was a man after God's own heart, yeah. that, that had an affair and had somebody killed and all that other stuff. He said, he was the greatest worshiper that we know about in the Bible. When, when it comes to people that have sinned and God restores, they become the greatest worshipers because they know where they've been. They know what God has done for them. And then the, the, the description after this is, for she loves much. He was telling Simon, I have forgiven her. She's not the same person anymore. It's not a matter of what people think. It's not about opinions of people. God was talking about what honors me about her is the fact that she got it right and she's pleasing me with her life. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. The very feet of Jesus that walked to the cross and carried our sins was covered with the worship, the tears, and the ointment from this woman. He was the creditor declaring that she is debt free. And I say this to anybody here. It's like, it, it, I don't know everybody's background. And these kind of passages right here gets me so worked up. I wish I was preaching on a Sunday morning. I really do. <laughs> I was like, I wish I was preaching on Sunday morning. Because of the crowd and the people that would be there and stuff like this. It's just a matter of understanding. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. It doesn't matter how long you messed up. If you are here and, and, and you're one day in church versus that person that says, I've been here since the day fellowship started. We are all equals in the, in, the, in the sight of Jesus Christ. We're all saved and restored and loved. Last verse, verse 50. And he said unto the woman, thy faith have saved thee. Go in peace. You, you say, what, what is the difference or why is this such an impactful? Because this is such a cliche thing that we'd say go in peace or, you know, and all the different uh, closings of different stories and things like that that we read in this. It's amazing how God at the end of this kind of like gives her what she's been longing for, what everybody's longing for. I promise you what people want more than anything in life is they just want peace. That inner rest of whatever. And in that moment, she walked away with that because 
of the relationship, the freedom. I mean, carrying that weight and to even to hear the words verbally said in front of the crowd of everybody that was like, she's this or that. For Jesus to say she is forgiven is powerful. So here's the lesson that we're learning from this is everyone is equally forgiven. Everyone belongs at the feet of Jesus. And you're not better than anyone else just because you have a past or don't have a past. And so it's, it's just powerful. And I, I know it's a, it's a simple little uh, parable, uh, but in context of what Jesus was teaching, and it's, it's very powerful.